to Rock Hard Caucus. It's a show where we take on the important issues of the day. My name is Justin Comer. I'm the host. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Chuck Yonda. What's up? Natalie Harwood. Hi. And Evan Jones. What up? And time to introduce the first ever Rock Hard Caucus guest, Stella Hart. Woo! Yay! Welcome to the show, Stella. Long time listener, first time caller. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I assume in uh, post, um, Justin, you'll add some like air horns here. We'll edit those in in post production. I'll add some celebratory noises. Yeah. Uh, So, Stella, what are your qualifications? Hmm, Well, I think I'm helping improve the gender balance. A little bit. I'm also yeah, um, a fellow fellow woman. Shout out to Natalie. No more bros. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Now there's like video or there's audio recording of me talking to two women. <laughs> so. <laughs> not, you're passing the Bechtel test about yes. something other yeah. than <laughs> I sent the show to a friend of mine out in Arizona and he uh listened to like a little bit of it and he replied to me, he's like Oh, is this another one of those uh, men's humor politics podcasts? <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I hope you enjoy. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. That ends today. Yeah. All right. So to uh, get us started today, as I mentioned, this is the show where we take on the important topics of the day. And up first, we have a bit of a debate going between all of us. And the question to answer is, is soup a meal? <laughs> okay so i can give a little yes. backstory on this so this this goes back uh i don't know maybe a month or two i think uh, um evan and um friend of the show and our lead uh, of our graphics department ali high were having a discussion uh i believe that she had made some soup and i made a comment uh you know like oh what else did you make with it and she's like oh it's just soup and i'm like well i don't think soup by itself is really a meal <laughs> and uh it kind of shattered both her and Evan's reality a little bit, and I felt kind of bad for a second, but then I instantly realized I needed to explain myself a little bit further, and I think that we probably talked about it for a good hour, hour and a half. Uh, I think I probably jeopardized our friendship at some point. Uh, Evan accused me of being classist. Um, Jeez, what else? They started employing tactics used by the alt-right to discredit the people they're debating. Uh, It really was pretty ugly, Um, and it kind of spilled back over into the group chat when I... um, made reference to it and uh i know you guys all have some pretty strong takes about it um but uh i'd like to hear what you guys have to say first so um uh maybe we should allow our guest to present her (laughs) beliefs first thanks yeah i um i also have some strong opinions about this so my (laughs) my feeling is here's my argument chuck okay (laughs) um you have like a plate of like a roast with like potatoes and carrots and sauce right like that is objectively a meal if you turn that plate into a bowl you got a stew it's a meal here we go is a soup is a stew a soup stew is a soup (laughs) (laughs) i'd be inclined to disagree uh do you think that chili is a soup then chili is a soup yeah i don't think chili is a soup I i think stews and soups are for the most part this the same thing no, they're not. They're definitely not the same thing. You, those are those things aren't interchangeable. It, it's it's still it's less water though. 
there's a, a a water element, there's a liquid <laughs> element, and then there's a solid element. But then again, there's also like bisques, which are also soups. Oh my gosh! But the bisque argument. Bisques throw a wrench in the whole thing. No, no, no. no there's still soup. <laughs> Google it. Wikipedia. Okay. Okay, Gavin McInnes. <laughs> Here's the textbook definition of what, what gender does is. Gavin McInnes tell people to Wikipedia shit? Like, I thought Wikipedia would be like way too like lib for him. No, no, no. This is an issue that's not black and white and requires far more nuance and critical <laughs> yeah, thought than just yeah. looking up the dictionary oh, okay, definition. Sure. We're through the looking glass, people. <laughs> <laughs> to me, a meal is basically just anything where you eat enough of it and you're not hungry anymore. Right. Any food. Satiety. Uh, Hardiness. Yeah. yeah. So you're telling people who eat a large or consume a large bowl of soup because there are there might be more than just eating. You might slurp up the broth at the end. Uh, <laughs> don't describe it like that. Like like I said, this is what this is what it boils down to is that we have different definitions of what what comprises a meal like when i think of a meal i think of like an entree maybe like a side or two uh you know i don't i don't think of like one large portion of something like it, it can an entire bag of doritos be considered a meal like uh, an entire box of cereal i mean yes. sure yeah to if me it, yes yeah if, if, exactly so to you yes but to me no i don't think so so therefore your I don't conception think of a meal. meal sounds like decadent it's that not at all decadent. it's not decadent at all it's like <laughs> So for the first course, we have the salad course. (laughs) You claim you're a socialist. I I think that soup can be the backbone of a meal. I think that it can be the focal point of a meal. I think that it can make or break a meal. So like a nice, you know, bowl of like, you know, like a tomato bisque or whatever, and like a side of bread (laughs) or like a salad with it. Like that's a meal right there. That sounds pretty good to me. But like, just like a big bowl of tomato soup. I just, I don't know. I just get, I'm left wanting more. That's up to you. Some people may add the additional stuff. I mean, I'm with you on that. Good, I'm glad you agree with me. Anyways, what are you talking about next? (laughs) But but some people might just eat a big-ass bowl of soup and be fine with it. Yeah, good for them. That's fine. If that's a meal for them, good. I'm glad they enjoyed it. But, like I said, this just boils down to us arguing the semantics of of the word meal. I mean... Damn, you sound like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> I'm just reversing sorry, the same dude. shit that you pulled on me, but, you know. I'm sorry, dude. See, I told you that this this YouTube alt-right thing would have been a piece of fucking cake, dude. Like, anyone can do this. This is an exist like, case in point in this soup discussion. Just make it about culture somehow. Yeah, no problem. Chuck Yanda owns liberal college student who thinks soup is a meal. because <laughs> oh, they're poor. <laughs> So you you define a meal as something that's edible, correct? Can it, and anything can be a soup. Is that also correct? So we've established that you've established that a meal is something that you eat that's edible. And you've also established that a soup can be anything, even that's not edible. So therefore, by your own logic, soup cannot be a meal. Are you a soup if you're in the bathtub? Because you could technically eat people. I mean, is a turd floating in the toilet a soup? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. Is a rock boiling in water a soup? Wow. That's a little more difficult because it's hard to chew on rocks. So a soup doesn't have to be edible, then. It can just be uh, a general stone term. Stone soup, anyone? Oh, you're right. Stone soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are my Streganona heads at? <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the soup refuses to stop making itself, 
I never thought about that. So have we settled that? <laughs> Did we no, come to a conclusion? Not at all. <laughs> I think Chuck embarrassed himself, honestly. I don't so. think so, no. I presented my case, and you know, if it's not enough for you, that's fine. I mean, yeah. the jury will decide. I'm not worried about the jury, man. I'm judge, jury, and executioner in my own head. <laughs> in your own head, but yeah. yeah exactly. Self-executioner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm hanging myself today. <laughs> Maybe we can throw this to the listeners. Uh, weigh in on if you think soup is a meal. Let us know what you think. One of the most important topics we've ever discussed on Twitter us at Rock Hard Caucus or email us at Rock Hard Caucus at Gmail. Maybe we'll do a Twitter poll of that. Sure. So we have a news story that Stella brought with her to the show. This is about actually something that happened 30 years ago. Uh, I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but one time Andre the Giant was arrested in Cedar Rapids. Yes. <laughs> I was aware of this, actually. It's yeah, a pretty I cool story. <laughs> I had seen his mugshot before. It's actually right here on this article in front of me. Yeah, it says Lynn County Sheriff's Department. And um, I had wanted to do a little digging and I found some, it turns out to be false, like apocryphal stories about no. what he might have done to get arrested in Cedar Rapids. A lot of people were saying like, oh, he just drank a hundred beers and got a little rowdy. But um, here on this podcast, I've noticed you guys can be uh, pretty critical of local journalism, but I, I think this is really <laughs> a gem. Us, no. I've got to thank the Gazette for, for this one because... I, you know, I needed to know the answer to this, and um, this is some good reporting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can read a little bit from it now if we want to get the full story. This is reporting about stuff that really matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something that happened thirty years ago. Uh, this is by Lee Hermiston of the Gazette, uh, and this was published on Friday, just a couple days ago. Breaking news. Oh yeah. <laughs> Andre the Giant versus the Cedar Rapids police 30 years later. <laughs> nice. I like it already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd take Andre. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take Andre versus the police any day. Yeah, definitely. To this day, I don't know what we would have done. Cedar Rapids police officer Dave Zahner says, he's definitely the biggest dude I've ever arrested. The dude in this case was the seven foot four, five hundred twenty pound hulking professional wrestler Andre so the Giant Rusimov. Zahner and the other Cedar Rapids police officers working the U.S. Cellular Center that night thirty years ago. Well, hang on, was it called that thirty years ago? <laughs> uh, no, it was the Five Season Center, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, historical revisionism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Corporate. All right, stop reading it. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't erase history okay <laughs> august 21st 1989 they witnessed andre ragdoll then kcrg cameraman ben hildebrandt they were faced with the challenge of wrestlemania proportions <laughs> oh, nice. what happens if andre doesn't go peacefully hildebrandt now 53 drew the short straw that day he recalled <laughs> At the time, KCRG and radio station KRNA had a partnership in which they produced funny bits for broadcast. The cameraman, in this case Hildebrandt, was tasked with shooting, editing, and writing the piece. With professional wrestling in town that night, Hildebrandt, then 23, 
Yeah, that's the math. They say his age every time they mention him. <laughs> glad I, I have a short attention span, so this is good. I'm, I'm yeah. glad they helped me keep with uh, keep up with the story. Yeah. <laughs> Thirty years ago, he was twenty three. I can do math. I can subtract thirty from fifty three and reach the conclusion of twenty three. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm glad somebody can. Uh, anyway, Hildebrandt said that the piece was supposed to be on why so many people were so into professional wrestling, even if the results were predetermined. This is a hot button issue as well. Kafabe. <laughs> Wait, is wrestling fake? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. You and ruined no. it for Stella. <laughs> it's, it's real as shit. You think those scars and, and, and shit are, are fake? <laughs> I have a lot of wrestling takes. Maybe we can save them for another show. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time watching wrestling as a young man, and I still occasionally tune into like the indie feds once in a while. But yeah, I never watch it, but I appreciate it. Yeah, for what it is as an art form, it's like the biggest thing in the world that we like that is invisible to the media class. But it's like so huge. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say it's any faker than like a play. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the idea. It's... <laughs> it's a soap opera for men. It's no more fake it's than a real fictitious man <laughs> drama choreographed <laughs> on stage. Okay. Oh, here they say it right. Uh, Hildebrand said he was at the Five Seasons Center, now the U.S. Cellular Center. Well, if you're acknowledging it now, why didn't you say it correctly? I don't. Before? I don't think anyone edits the Gazette. I think they just like <laughs> just by reading their articles. I don't think they have an editor right now. And sometimes it turns out great, like this time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was shooting the World Wrestling Federation performance when it came time for the main event, Andre the Giant versus the Ultimate Warrior. Hildebrandt said, while promoters gave him carte blanche to record most of the event, Andre himself was a different story. The ring announcer comes over and says, Andre is different. You can't record him wrestling, Hildebrandt said. I said, fine, may I record him walking in and the bell being rung? The announcer said, fine. Andre walks in, I shoot that. I shoot the bell being rung, and immediately he's pinned. I'm not even looking, and suddenly Andre is on me. The match that night is what's known in wrestling terms as a squash, and Andre <laughs> was pinned in about 30 seconds by the Ultimate Warrior. It's not just not just wrestling terms. It's Andre the Giant weighs 700, what, 500 pounds. <laughs> he weighs a lot. Yeah, if anyone's doing some squashing, it's him. My, my question is, was he, like, popular? Was he a good guy, or was he, like, a heel? Andre was a heel his entire career. Really? He he very briefly had moments where he would be like kind of a face character or he would align himself with yeah. you know the baby faces but Andre was largely a heel and like a scary one too because like I know that like when they took Andre to Japan when they were over there and they had like exhibition matches with like him and Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan had been over there before and to the mm-hmm. people in Japan they were like wow he's he's huge like he's larger than life he's just like this big tan oiled muscle man and then they brought andre over and like people were legitimately afraid of him yeah dude if you were another wrestler imagine that yeah. like well, imagine having to face that man in the newspapers in japan they were advising people to leave their children at home when andre would wrestle because like the kids would like scream and like they'd be so afraid of him and like they'd have nightmares so like he was a larger than life <laughs> character back then like there was nothing like andre like there was no one that was even close to his size that had ever been a part of professional wrestling before yeah also shout out to stella for knowing the terminology yeah <laughs> girls know stuff too you guys <laughs> not this one <laughs> thanks for representing us well stella 
I googled what is a heel. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of feet pics. Yeah, podiatry.com. <laughs> so much feet. <laughs> well, it just brings up like a, an actual heel. Did that make you even more confused? It's a bad guy. (laughs) I was like, why are there so many feet? (laughs) There's always feet. That's what the internet runs on. (laughs) And people, too. (laughs) This dude was recording the wrestling show. Uh, Andre was pinned very quickly by the Ultimate Warrior. And Hildebrandt said he didn't record any of the brief in-ring action, but Andre was quickly yelling for the camera. Andre grabbed Hildebrandt's camera and tried to wrestle it away from him. To say it was not a fair fight would be an understatement, considering Hildebrandt was at the time five foot nine and about one hundred and sixty pounds. Soaking he grew wet. upwards since he was twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote from Hildebrandt. It really was much like someone who is whipping a towel or a piece of paper around. It was not a fair tussle, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be scary. <laughs> I'm looking at him now. He that is large. I only know him from the Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's how everyone knows him. <laughs> uh Hildebrandt said he was slapped upside the head by Andre at one point, not put in a headlock or body slammed like some tabloids later reported. <laughs> tabloids <laughs> Yeah, this this made national news. Uh the camera was also broken in the showdown. I had never been in a fight before or after in my life, and I just got whipped around like a doll in front of 4,000 fans who, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> thought this was part of the entertainment. Your first fight is against Andre the Giant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first physical altercation you get into is with <laughs> Andre the fucking Giant. It's horrible, dude. That would suck. <laughs> like he's like two feet taller than him. You're in your mid-20s, never been yeah. in a fight, and Andre the Giant is just like whipping you around. Yeah. <laughs> And he says here that the the crowd thought that this was part of the show, which happens at wrestling shows sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he says, beer was thrown on me. People spit on me. It was just surreal. I mean, it's funny, but this this would be a horrible situation to be in. Yeah. Yeah, damn. So the late 80s was prior to, it was before, like, they came out and were like, yeah, this is, like, staged. Like, the outcomes are predetermined. This was still in the era of um, kayfabe. So, like, even out of the ring in public, these wrestlers all maintained this suspension of disbelief towards this just being a character. You know, like, this is, like, who they they were. Like, it became their personalities. And, like, people still, like, really fed it off of that and, like, believe that. It was was kind of a different energy back then. So, like, that beer dumping thing and, like, the crowd just yelling at him and jeering him, that's, like, very common back then for that sort of thing if you were a bystander. like, corporate for sure. Yeah. Officer's Honor, who was there on an overtime assignment to keep rowdy fans in check, had just witnessed one of the stars of the show commit a crime. You don't know what's for <laughs> show and what's not, Zahner said, but it was definitely a shove, definitely an assault, and he definitely did some damage to the camera. Hildebrandt and Andre were quickly separated and taken to different parts of the arena. Hildebrandt said the event promoters yelled at him for recording Andre when he was told not to. Hildebrandt took them to the nearby KCRG studios to show them what he recorded. The footage shows Hildebrandt never had recorded Andre wrestling. When they returned to the arena, Hildebrandt, who initially just wanted to go home, said he wanted to pursue charges at the urging of a police officer and others. <laughs> so this was wow. during a match or whatever? I think he just filmed him walking into the ring. And then 
he was gonna shoot something and else and on. yeah andre maybe thought that he was filming him after after he'd yep. been like expressly uh, asked not to got it got it, got it. yes yeah. got that's it. that's what seems to be the situation it was about that time then police sergeant jerry potter got word from his captain andre the giant is to be arrested on assault and criminal mischief charges it seems really funny to charge like a giant man with mischief. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to think about for sure. When Potter arrived, Andre was showering in the locker room. After the officers waited for Andre to nice. finish showering and get dressed, Potter told him he was under arrest and was going to jail. Do you think any of them peaked? Oh, I would have for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a normal size penis or a very no, he large doesn't. thing? No, I read um I, I when I was young you I read, read about uh, it. I read a, a biography that was written about him and uh There's like, a whole chapter dedicated to it. <laughs> no, it's 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 often referenced in the book and it also talks about uh the difficulties he had when they would stay in hotels and like travel and stuff, like how small yeah. the beds were and like how small the bathtubs were and everything and just like he had kind of a miserable life because, like, back then, stuff wasn't really built for people that were, like, even my height so much. But, like, someone that's that tall was like, god damn. It wasn't built for large boys like it is today. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't remember his exact words, but he said something like, I'm not going anywhere and you're not taking me. <laughs> Potter recalled. <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> like, what do you do at that point? Just, like, get as many people as you can to just, like, grab a limb and, like, hope he comes with or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a good ass story. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stella. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was just I think it's interesting because they are like, there's no way we can physically um capture <laughs> Andre the Giant. And so they just like end up joking around with him and being nice to him so that he does what they want. It's like, oh, yeah. maybe police should try that more often. <laughs> like a wild animal. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I'll just sort of uh, gloss over this. Andre said, you know, you're not arresting me. And the officers are like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Uh, one of the cops jokes that they might have to enlist Ultimate Warrior to subdue Andre again. Uh, <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, <laughs> right down the fairway. <laughs> so this is what the uh, police chief said to Andre. You are under arrest. You do have to go over to the jail with us, but it's not a big problem. Your manager will follow us. You'll be released, and it won't even take that long. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't handcuff him because they actually didn't have handcuffs big enough for him. Oh. Uh, yeah. To, like, make him out of zip ties Christ. or something. Yeah, zip ties for sure. So they had oh. a set of leg shackles from the Lynn County Jail, and the police chief uh, jokingly said to Andre, I'll use these if you make me. <laughs> oh my oh, god. No. Quiet, puny man. <laughs> yeah, that that got a laugh out of Andre and uh it says when Andre starts belly laughing, it seems like the whole room shakes. Wow. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> this is like a goddamn like goofy cop movie from like the seventies. <laughs> it really is movie about it. <laughs> Uh, Potter and another officer, Jerry Chapman, took Andre to the jail where he was booked, fingerprinted on an uh, eight and a half by 11 inch sheet of paper since a standard card was too small and released after posting bail. 
Uh, before Andre left the jail, Zahner managed to snag a souvenir. While he was there being fingerprinted and photographed, I politely asked him, would there be any chance I could get a whole handprint of yours and have it signed just because I don't get to arrest Andre the Giant every day, Zahner said, and he was more than obliging. That's nice of him. God damn. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Two justice systems, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One for giants and one for us regular people. (laughs) 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 All right, so here's a little bit of a, like, you know, the downside to the story. The rest of the night did not go as smoothly for Hildebrandt. That was the cameraman. By the time he got back to the station, his back was hurting. He was taken to the hospital and told his spine was strained and he had whiplash. He left in a neck brace. Aww. The story was quickly picked up by wire services, the Chicago Tribune, National Enquirer, and Newsweek. Mad Magazine even parodied the incident on their cover. For a nanosecond, I was big. (laughs) I never wanted to be big for that reason. Hildebrandt said he believes both KCRG and the Five Seasons Center sued Andre over issues related to workers' compensation and the broken camera. Andre countersued both organizations as well as Hildebrandt. Eventually, everyone settled out of court, which is what Hildebrandt, who grew up watching professional wrestling and rooting for Andre, wanted to begin with. Almost all of the settlement went to his lawyer, he said. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Damn. Yeah. And I miss Andre. There's lots of pictures of Trump with Andre. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, he like was like... (laughs) There's lots of pictures with Trump with like everybody, I feel like. Yeah, Trump is pretty associated with wrestling. Like, he was actually yeah. on. He got he beat was. up once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he also clotheslined Vince McMahon. And he did it outside of the ring, too, on the mats. Yeah. <laughs> he, his whole rally style is like WWE. Oh, God, yeah. You remember when he posted that <laughs> gif of him uh, clotheslining Vince McMahon, and then, like, someone had edited it to Vince McMahon's head to say, like, CNN or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that, and I'm like, you know what? Like, this can't get much better. And a brief uh, where are they now section at the end of the article. Hildebrandt got out of television not long after the Andre the Giant incident. He now lives in Des Moines and has his own consulting business, doing public relations, lobbying, and sales, and marketing training. He recently told his story to his local Rotary Club as part of its Brush with Greatness series. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't remember that. That's really funny. (laughs) There's a a paragraph for Andre in the Where Are They Now section, and quick summary, he's dead now. Oh, Oh, he is? He passed, yeah, Yeah. 94, I believe he passed away. Can he, no. um, 93, actually. Oh, I thought you meant age 94. I was like, what? <laughs> no, he had, like, uh, heart problems his whole life, I'm pretty sure. I yeah, mean, being yeah, a, a giant like, Well, he had fucking gigantic, like, yeah. he had, yeah. like, some uh, horm- hormonal, like, thyroid shit going on. Yeah, being so large, it makes your organs not work Yeah, well. and, like, your yeah. heart, your heart, like, your blood circulation, your heart has to be, like, bigger, too. Mm-hmm. If you fly the highest, you burn out the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Don't be Icarus. Be Daedalus. <laughs> it sucks that guy got beat up real bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, poor guy. It's just an interesting story of like cops witnessing someone famous just beating the shit out of somebody <laughs> and just sort of like hanging out with him and joking around afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you do? And having to like cajole him. <laughs> Go be arrested. This is an awesome story. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a good story. <laughs> Thanks, Stella. Yeah, that was awesome. I, had I enjoyed no idea. that. I enjoyed that segment. <laughs>
We can talk about wrestling every week if you guys want. Uh. <laughs> I want to know more. Yeah, I do want to know about more. that. Everyone wants to hear that. This is part of our chilling in Cedar Rapids recurring segment. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that's the first time that's been referenced on this podcast. Right. Yeah. Cedar Rapids. That's amazing, actually. Uh, so, moving ahead roughly 30 years, uh, there was a Democratic primary <laughs> debate this week, which I... Good segue. I did not get to see the debate this time, but if you listened to last week's show, I did provide a few predictions of things that I thought might happen. And to quickly recap, I thought that Joe Biden would say something about gay bathhouses. I thought that Pete (laughs) Buttigieg would bring up Bernie's recent heart attack. I thought the moderators or perhaps another candidate would bring up uh, Elizabeth Warren misrepresenting things about her past. I thought Andrew Yang would bring up the Joker, and I thought Amy Klobuchar would talk about <laughs> snow in Minnesota. Uh, how did I do? She did. The snow thing did happen. Is that the only one that I got? It was in the post debate, though. Oh yeah. It was like her interview. Like they did interviews they with all the candidates post debate. I get a half. So you get for a that half one. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of the other things. Uh, yeah, I really wish Yang would have mentioned Joker because <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of love Andrew Yang now. Go on. Keep waxing poetic about Andrew Yang. Oh, right. Yeah, I love Andrew. No, it's ironic. I mean, I I don't think his <laughs> policies are good. I just think he's like a kind of like a bumbling. He's like the nutty professor or some shit. <laughs> he's sort of adorable and it's refreshing when there's so many horrible people on stage. He talks very quickly and he like brushes past like he has to. He gets like five minutes of time during every debate. <laughs> right. I know. But the way that he addresses like. He addresses, like, insanely, like, huge issues in such a glib and, like, fast manner. Like, he just glosses over, like, massive, like, like global warming or, like, you know, like, the machines taking over. Like, shit like that. Just, like, I don't know. He's funny compared to... He's just different, and I like that, I guess. <laughs> Stella, what do you think about Andrew Yang? Yeah, um, I liked that he, he tweeted after the debate that his uh, little kid was, like, Everyone was boring except for you, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he probably didn't say that, that's but nice. that's a funny joke, so I'll allow it. <laughs> Everyone was boring but my daddy, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody clapped. There's a question about, like, Russian election interference, and Yang, like, briefly brushed over the fact that America also has interfered in elections. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a no-no. And uh, Amy Klobuchar, like, immediately, like, tried to interrupt him and, like, <laughs> then got to talk about, like, you're, you're drawing a false equivalency. Has okay. anybody been able to figure out why she's running yet? <laughs> like, why is she up there? To she's the us? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she's the um, aggressive mom. Like, <laughs> that we, the author, thort, excuse me, authoritarian mom. <laughs> the authoritarian mom that we need to, like, you know, shape up as a nation. And tell us we can't have nice things. I feel like that maybe yeah. is in your search history somewhere. <laughs> uh, authoritarian mom. Excuse me. Aggressive moms. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, we've never we've never had an authoritarian mom as president. I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to see <laughs> yeah. how it goes. Like, 
need to shake things up. We need up. representation, you guys. Representation matters, <laughs> yes. <laughs> representation. Well, Amy Klobuchar also went after Elizabeth Warren in this debate about like saying Medicare for all is a pipe dream, basically, and Oof. like that that Amy Klobuchar is the one who actually can get stuff done. Oh, that's definitely a Clinton move. Yeah, yeah. she's Good she's point. definitely channeling a lot of Hillary Clinton energy. Big yeah. Hill energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's, that's kind of a, I mean, that's a divergent path for most of the candidates. So, I mean. Pete Buttigieg and Beto got into a very long and irrelevant fight. Oh, yeah. That's also my favorite thing. Like, Beto is, like, better than Pete Buttigieg in every fucking way. <laughs> like, I don't like his politics either, but, like, he at least seems, like, somewhat authentic <laughs> like at least like he seems like a decent guy wasn't made in a lab yeah <laughs> they they made him at uh, vanity fair <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about the vanity fair article. that shit's so dumb <laughs> man i was born to be in it what is he such oh, a yeah. bad instinct <laughs> he's so vain i like it i'm vain yeah. too <laughs> yeah i mean again he sucks but like if you're gonna go for the white obama lane like both he, him and pete Buttigieg are gonna go like the, the choice is clear it's like Pepsi versus Coke. Uh, which one is oh, Coke? We're gonna debate about that too. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna weigh in on that one. But you can decide for yourselves. But I had a panic attack at the world of Coca-Cola, and I've never drank one since. <laughs> the world of Coca-Cola. What is the world of Coca-Cola? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this. Okay, it's like this theme park. Like Where? Capitalist soda theme park <laughs> in fucking Atlanta. Oh, okay. And yeah. they're like packing you into this thing called the vault where they're going to give you the secret <laughs> recipe. And there are probably 100, 150 people there. It's oh, like yeah. the, the end of the ride, and this like red door is closing slowly, and I'm hyperventilating and stopping. <laughs> the Coca Cola logo on it. <laughs> they have to That's turn off the entire thing. Stop and take me out. <laughs> and I sat on the floor and cried. Oh. oh. Okay, I'm done laughing now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, but it was like they like it's an entire Coca-Cola commercial. I don't know why we went in the first place, and I don't even like pop. I'm like I'm just imagining the giant red doors slowly closing <laughs> to like, and like as they close. It forms like the Coca-Cola logo, and you're just like <laughs> hyperventilating and panicking, like, like your eyes shit. are dilated. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a jingle playing. I'm sponsored by Cherry Coke this morning, just so you all know. <laughs> Casper mas- mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> God. I'm fueled by 20 fluid ounces of cherry Coke today. Do we need to stop and plug Blue Apron? <laughs> uh, so who else was at the debate? Uh, any good stuff from Tulsi Gabbard this time around? No. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren and her kind of got into it a little bit. That was weird. About, like Tulsi, like, I think her strategy was obviously Elizabeth Warren is the front runner or whatever. So I'm just going to keep... Every time I'm asked a question, I'm going to end my statement with, and what does Elizabeth Warren have to think about that? And the moderators were like, that's not your job. Like, we get to pick who talks next. It, was, uh, <laughs> it just seemed really odd. Yeah. She was trying to say that, like, Elizabeth Warren is, like, a warmonger. Yeah. Which is somewhat true. And then Elizabeth Warren basically used it to just pivot and be like, well, actually, I'm against, like, foreign intervention and shit. 
Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, again, she sucks. She's, like, voted to increase the Department of Defense budget, like, every fucking year. Every time. Mm-hmm. I'm so angry about the Israel shit this week. What was, what's the Israel shit? Um, She is, like, talking about how Israel is a beacon of democracy and we need to protect Lol. them. Tulsi is also, like, weirdly pro-Israel. Like, oh, really? She, she's, like, I think one of the only Democratic candidates who actually attended the Netanyahu speech in 2015 when he spoke in oh, front right. of Congress. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think she's, like, basically, like, basically everyone else boycotted it. Elizabeth Warren waited until the very last minute to say that she wasn't going to go. Yes, of course, as is the Elizabeth Warren way. I love yeah. suspense. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the endorsements in 2016. Uh, Just yeah. like on my TV. <laughs> Give us a cliffhanger. We should really care about Palestine. We should really care. We should care more, and we should know if she's willing to do things to brown people overseas. She's not unwilling to do them to people here. She's just afraid of backlash. And that's, like, so bad to me. And it's most of the job of the president, right? It's politically convenient for her to be pro-Israel, as in, like, for most politicians, unfortunately. Basically everyone, yeah. Yeah, I mean... The Ilhan Omar shit obviously illustrates that perfectly clearly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, at least Bernie does talk about Palestinians being human people, but even he isn't hard enough about it. No. Yeah. They're like testing weapons on Palestinians that they use on Black Lives Matter activists here. Palestinians were swapping tips with the Ferguson protesters. Oh my god. Uh, So moving on to something a little more important. Uh, Tom Steyer was at this debate. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Oh my god. I heard him talk on the radio on the way home and I'm like, whose voice is that? And then like I got home and I watched like the last thirty, forty five minutes of it and they're doing like their closing statements where like who who is a uh, an ally of yours that we wouldn't expect? That's the part where they all said John McCain, you know? <laughs> That's the dumbest yeah. ass yeah. question. And then like I, I see it. Tom oh Steyer and I'm like, What the fuck are you doing here? Like how did you get on the stage? Money. Did you sneak in? Money. <laughs> Tom Steyer perfectly illustrates why the idea of like a benevolent billionaire is such a fucking stupid <laughs> fucking yeah. fantasy. His only qualification is having lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. In the mail that I got from him, there's like a big full color photo before you open it of him up on a roof doing shingles. No way. Yeah, he's just a normal guy, just like you and me, you know, that, that you know, does their own roof of their house and does the shingles themselves. <laughs> Just the shingles themselves. Yeah, you know, re-shingles their own home. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Castro had a uh, good moment about uh, saying that police violence is also gun violence. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. That was good. Yeah, and he's he's cool. I'm, like, down with him being in the race and staying in the race. We like him. I might caucus for him, and then when there aren't enough people to allocate a delegate for him, then switch over to Bernie, <laughs> just so I can feel yeah. Like yeah. a little more principled. <laughs> <laughs> My only fault with Julian Castro is his half-size yard signs, which I <laughs> <laughs> Just wasn't in the budget. <laughs> so little. <laughs> we're islands though so we get to be picky we get to first in the nation caucus state we demand more from our signs yeah <laughs> do you have lots of tulsi signs in your area stella because we have so many and they are so really? large the only signs i see i see on my drive home from work i see a tulsi sign and i see a bunch of uh castro signs actually really see the thing is even if they're half size you just make up for it by plastering it everywhere <laughs> 
The Tulsi sign is the Andre the Giant, and the Caster <laughs> sign is the cameraman. It's like a huge banner in their yard. It's like 15 feet across. Yeah, the Tulsi ones are all yeah. huge. <laughs> um, there's quite an assortment. There's actually one house I drove by yesterday that they have, I think, a sign for every Democratic candidate in their yard. It's really, it's like really confusing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We never established. Uh, Stella, you're in Iowa City with me. I am. Yes. Oh, yeah. with a bunch of dogs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Another correspondent from District 2. Yeah. Right. Lobesack country. A yard with every Democratic candidate sign. That sucks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just write blue no matter who on a big poster board and stick it in your window. <laughs> They're really showing how much they don't like Trump by That's saying literally sure. anyone else, which uh, is a trait I've seen among so many liberals. Stella, is it everybody? It's like they got like Klobuchar, Yang, Bernie, just like yeah, everybody, Joe, everybody? No shit. Warren, everybody. Wow. Um, I wonder if they'll like, as candidates drop out, if they'll just like go up and like sheepishly <laughs> remove them one by one. It's like, they're, it's like they're playing bingo with their yards. <laughs> Tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Sounds like nine-dimensional chess to me. <laughs> nice. It's a long con. Uh. Have you guys seen any of those yard signs that are like, or also bumper stickers that are like, any functioning adult 2020? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I've seen more t-shirts that say that than, than stickers or signs. That's some ray gun <laughs> shit right there. It's definitely yeah. ray gun oh, yeah. shit. Some ray gun level commentary, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we're on the topic of signs, I want to say that I have not seen a single Bernie sign in anybody's yard but I see Bernie bumper stickers all the time. Right. Like, I've seen far more Bernie mm. stickers than I have any other candidate. I was driving behind a very rusted truck with a, two very blue-collar looking guys with a Bernie Beats Trump sticker on the back. Yeah. That was probably me. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> My rusty truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would guess that a lot of those people are renting and don't have control over their own yards, so they can't put the yeah. signs out. Oh, yeah. Bernie did great, and they also... They wouldn't let him talk, basically. I tuned yeah. in about halfway through and like literally did not see him talk for like 25 minutes. And when he did talk, he tried to jump in on another question. And they were like, aren't you dying, What about Bernie? hair health? Yeah, aren't you <laughs> dying, Bernie? Like, they're like, she's like, she like pointed at him. He was, she was like, I'm talking about you, Bernie. I'm talking about your health. That was the dumbest part that I saw by far. Like, they were just talking about. Uh, the predatory practices of the pharmaceutical companies and like the opiate yeah, crisis, which like, is Bernie's which is fucking, fucking wheelhouse. wheelhouse. Like one of the things he's building his campaign upon is like holding the pharmaceutical companies accountable, and they ask everybody but him. And when it comes to him, they're like, "Anyways, moving on, Bernie, about your health." And I was like, "Oh, fuck <laughs> you!" And he used to do the same thing. He was it like, was "No, hang right on a after hang he on tried a to, he tried to interrupt too. It was the first time I like literally yeah. watched for like twenty minutes. He didn't talk at all, and he tried to interrupt to answer the question that was right in his wheelhouse. And they were like, he did, nope, though. we're going to talk about.' Well, yeah, because he they kept trying to like push him off, push him out of the paint, but he was just like, "No, yeah. fuck you! Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's my turn yeah. to talk about this." He is right. on message to a fault. No one has he got ever to speak been less than like Klobuchar. Him. He got to speak less than like Buttigieg. I'm like, pretty yeah, sure that Warren fuck? dominated the talking time the other it's, night. Yeah, what Warren I saw. and Biden, of course, got top two. But the candidate who is polling second or third, depending on like who you're asking, got to speak yeah, less well. than like these like third rate candidates who are like I think Pete Buttigieg should be taken seriously, but like. Yeah. 
Klobuchar he's not. Nothing. He's probably not going to. Yeah, Klobuchar is not going anywhere. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but um, Nate Silver would like to tell you about how <laughs> yeah. she still has a path to victory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. I did want to ask you guys um, what you thought about Biden and Warren's interaction, where she was talking about how she, um, her, like one of her signature achievements is that Consumer Protection Bureau that came out of the financial crisis, mm-hmm. and then Biden yep. was like kind of weirdly trying to take credit for it. Do you think he knows he didn't do it? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he knows where he is? Yeah. Joe Biden is representing Delaware, which is the company where, or the state where like all of these huge financial corporations go because they, I can't remember. They have very like pro corporate, like tax laws or something. I I don't know the exact reason, but it's like there's a shit ton of like credit card companies that exist in Delaware specifically for taxation purposes. So it's like Biden is definitely not the fucking guy who's going to be behind the Consumer (laughs) Protection Bureau. And to Elizabeth Warren's credit, she did push that very heavily. In fact, I think she was very upset that Obama didn't like appoint her to be the head of it. Yeah. And so was Bernie, actually. He fought for that. Yeah. Yeah, Because like it makes fucking sense if you're going to have the Consumer Protection Bureau. Yeah. Like how about someone who actually has like (laughs) done the most work on that front? Yeah. Again, like Elizabeth Warren sucks, but like she's got some positives at least <laughs> compared to the rest of them jesus yeah, it doesn't suck as bad as biden that's for doesn't sure. suck as bad as biden or hillary or any of the the bar is low whatever <laughs> yeah the bar is low <laughs> she clears it though <laughs> yeah he was like saying well you know i was the one who like got you those votes and then she like kind of paused and then she said yeah i'm very thankful to president obama for getting that through and then everyone in the audience was like, "Oh, that was great! That was a pretty good moment. Someone Shane. finally was yeah. like, you know, like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Spend your whole shtick is just piggybacking off of your vice presidency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when convenient, when convenient. And then Biden was like clearly salty, and he was like, "You did a good job in your in your role. Yeah, <laughs> you did a good job doing your job. I think is what he said. It was very yeah. condescending. <laughs> That's awesome." Uh, that's very Biden. Bunch of, just a bunch of malarkey. I think we can all agree. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate definitely. the debates. <laughs> They're, so bad. They're so bad. I was slightly less bored at this one because Bernie seriously had yeah. one of the best. He should have a heart attack more often. So good. Yeah. Yep. And then dropping the AOC stuff. Which is huge. And I'm sure we're all very excited about that. And I think Absolutely. it's a very huge thing. Like, And, and of course, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, too. But We're proud of them. Hey, good job. I feel very happy for the first time in a while. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the perfect thing after the health scare thing. And like and a like, rally with 30,000 yeah, I'm, people. I'm not sure why I'm supposed to care. I mean, Bernie seems like he's actually mentally sharp compared to fucking joe biden <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, i'm not i have no concerns about that and so like i'm not sure why i'm supposed to care because if bernie dies in office and whatever is left of his administration is still going to be supporting policies that i prefer over any of the other democratic candidates so mm-hmm. yeah, like he's a, he's again, a spearhead. Like, why like that's such a silly argument i think yeah like literally who cares he's Anyone got a die. bionic heart now he's <laughs> never going to die yeah <laughs> He has his blood blood in his brain. It's full of blood now. <laughs> oh, thank God. I hate it when that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> I like that the like a lot of these people are focusing on Bernie having this heart attack and oh he's old and you know whatnot, but they 
like to admit the part that like Joe Biden is like I think less than two years younger than him and had brain mm-hmm. surgery at one point. Warren is also she would be the oldest president elected for the first term. She's like seventy. I think she's just seventy. She has yeah, because what's Bernie seventy four? He turned seventy eight last month. Oh, oh, fuck. Okay. You're right. He's old. I'm having second thoughts, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you just found out Bernie's old. <laughs> Look, I'm fine with a, another white man running the country, but an old white man? <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. I think we should pledge that if we ever have a chance to ask Bernie or any other candidate a substantial policy question, we just ask them if they think soup is a meal, yeah or no. <laughs> <laughs> I Bernie would say oh yes, my I think. God. Yeah, he definitely would say yes. He's old. Oh my god! He eats soup, eat soup for every meal. Yeah, dude, doesn't what doesn't Bernie eat Progresso every day or something? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, that's probably why he had a heart problem. There's a lot of sodium yeah, in there. For real, there's a lot that's of sodium true. in there. There's the picture of him shopping with like 50 Progresso. Yeah, I forgot about that picture. He's just like heart full of soup. <laughs> oh my god, dude! This is just bolsters my support of Bernie. <laughs> this is why Chuck has said that he's a secret Biden guy. Man, you're acting like I don't eat soup, dude. <laughs> I enjoy soup. I had soup yesterday. All right. I'm glad. That's a good place to end the debate on. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I learned I learned everything that happened at the debate from you guys, so thank you for <laughs> bringing me up to speed with that. Anytime. <laughs> now I want to present to you an article that's been uh, it's been waiting in the wings for the perfect moment to appear on the show. I teased this in a previous episode um, when we talked about Dennis Clayson, famous University of Northern Iowa marketing professor, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read one of his articles, but before I do that, uh, I want to look at his Rate My Professors page one more time. Oh, is this the guy that you said he specialized? I remember you mentioning him. He's like, one of his specialties is like measurement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's an expert on measurement. Dennis Clayson, the measuring man. <laughs> Here's just one one of his students' uh, takes on him from his RateMyProfessors.com profile. This was posted in uh, November of 2010, so it's had some time to age. And uh, they rated him uh, 1.0 for overall quality and 5.0 for level of difficulty. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which gives him the overall ranking of awful. <laughs> Owned. According to the page here. And uh, they wrote about him, worst professor I have ever had. <laughs> Damn. It seems like he wanted everyone to fail. Test questions are random and not from the book. <laughs> Talks a lot about how he doesn't earn that much at UNI. Well, then don't teach at UNI. (laughs) Wow. That reminds me of when the the kids at Springfield Elementary learn like that Skinner makes like thirty five thousand dollars a year, and then they like (laughs) they like like, and he's he's forty five years old. He's a millionaire. And he paints houses on the weekends. <laughs> He's a billionaire. Uh, that's how Tom Steyer did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So without any further ado, here it is. Dennis Clayson's uh, magnum opus. This appeared in The Courier in uh, 
2018. May 27th of 2018 is when it was published. And the title of this column is The Toxic Feminine Mystique. All right, see you later, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have heard about toxic masculinity? Well, what about toxic femininity? That's the the summary. (laughs) (laughs) Here are Mr. Clayson's words as written. Safe spaces and snowflakes and an almost pathological aversion to uncertainty. The popularity of academic programs whose foundational premises never have to touch the ground. Women's centers and ideologically driven (laughs) diversity. What do they all have in common? Do you think he gets in fights with like the uh, like women's uh, (laughs) majors, you know? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Probably just on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> just on Twitter. I have a feeling this guy's too big of a coward to actually talk about anything important with anybody. He's he's never <laughs> talked to a woman in his entire life. <laughs> That's also possible. The almost hysterical emotional revenge seen in much of the Me Too movement. The banning of almost oh, anything that off, has dude. an element of physical risk. Being told Oh my god. <laughs> physical risk. <laughs> Being told women's health issues are the most important health-related problem in the nation, along with wearing mandatory pink ribbons to stand in solidarity for women's issues. (laughs) Perhaps even wearing pink shoes to show our virtue creds. These are a lot of incomplete sentences, Mr. Clayson. Like, usually the men's rights guys are arguing that, like, the risk thing, like, they're saying that, like, men should take less risky jobs, but this guy's like, fuck it, like, uh, we want to, like, do the most dangerous jobs, and, like, these women are telling us that it's bad, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we should, uh, I don't know, man, it's ridiculous. Yeah, dangerous jobs, like a business professor at a college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to get rid of all physical risk, but meanwhile, I'm just <laughs> out here killing myself, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Writing in the newspaper. eternal bureaucratic maneuvering along with endless meetings where issues are discussed and feelings are expressed communal relationships (laughs) taking precedence over agentic action where machines almost never really get fixed what? I don't even know what he's talking about there. <laughs> I, I, dude, he's lost me already. <laughs> this sounds like something happened to him that he's not explaining properly. <laughs> yeah, he was in a yeah, bad clearly. meeting. Someone was wearing a pink ribbon. <laughs> so yeah, angry. he's the real victim here. Uh, where machines almost never really get fixed. He's complaining about the department printer, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a man who can fix machines. I love how petty he is. I changed my mind. I love him. I'm petty too. (laughs) I think it's great. My problem with women is they don't fix the damn machines. I take the most petty grievances. What does all of this have in common? Toxic femininity. Uh, You need to insert like an old horror movie fucking sound effect there. Toxic femininity. When toxic masculinity happens, you know, women are literally murdered. But when toxic femininity occurs, the printer don't get fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Society 101, baby. Oh, my God. We live in a society. (laughs) (laughs) Women are making me sit through these boring meetings. (laughs) (laughs) I have to sit in a meeting. Yes, it is true. The nation is being corrupted by toxic femininity. Only a reintroduction of masculine values will save us. 
Oh my fucking god. Oh, he is an MRA guy, isn't he? That's, <laughs> wow. Oh, you didn't figure that out already? Well, I mean, like, it's like glaringly clear now. That's like a point that they all echo. Yeah. Imagine believing that America isn't a masculine country to its core. And, right. like, all of its problems are traced back to, like, it's fucked up masculinity yeah. complex. As if the conservatives just don't love an authoritarian daddy leader like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's our president. Universities need men's centers, men's studies, and an elevation of <laughs> men's issues. <laughs> <laughs> As a nation, we need more emphasis on men's health issues, more debate about the corrosive influence of femininity on culture, and the appropriate balance of societal influences. Yeah, dude. We need more awareness about low T. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what this guy thinks feminism is. One would never know this, and it does sound odd, but maleness is actually a gender. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But we have been regularly assaulted by the opposite, and we are supposed to stand down, smile, and believe the toxic masculinity movement is legitimate. It is no more legitimate than toxic femininity. You're so much prettier when you smile. <laughs> <laughs> you look more masculine when you smile. <laughs> uh, you're going to love this next part. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia gives an interesting definition to the term. <laughs> oh, yep. Here we go. This is the, the uh, 21st century equivalent of Webster's Dictionary defines. <laughs> the concept of toxic masculinity is used in psychology and gender studies to refer to certain norms of masculine behavior in North America and Europe that are associated with harm to society and to men themselves. Yep. Yes. Accurate. <laughs> Sounds That's a true fine. description of reality. Okay, what's up? <laughs> oh boy. You you are never gonna believe where he goes with this. Evidently, masculinity in Africa, Asia, and South America is not toxic. <laughs> uh, <Whoa. laughs> okay. Uh That's not a good place to take it. <laughs> no, it's not. It's I don't care not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> not what I thought would be behind door number one at all. <laughs> Again, the enemy of the world is older white males. But this is an interesting type of gender and racial bigotry, and it ignores a large number <laughs> of very basic facts. Why are immigrants streaming into Europe and North America? A very linear explanation would be these areas are rich, but that misses a crucial point. Why are they rich? To go back to the 1840s and look at... <laughs> oh, no. Dude. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You Once uh, again, you're not going to guess where he goes with this next sentence. <laughs> Steve King loves this article. To go back to the 1840s and look at Marx, who never in his lifetime walked on a factory floor for an explanation that is an exercise in religious faith and not one based on reality. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing cool. i just noticed bouncing around the alt-right is the marx was privileged thing which she was but which she really was right, yeah but it's yeah. like all of a sudden this big it's added with venezuela <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn like i mean i'm pretty sure like a lot of the people who like discovered most like the, some of the most important shit were like extremely privileged yeah they had time to think and right. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, that was Marx's point, is that when you have free time, like, you can, like, 
do things other than just be productive for the sake of someone else's behalf. You know, like when you're literally not a you. surf, you can. Yes. <laughs> you got leisure time. Yeah, if you have something other than a potato to eat, you can think. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong for anyone with any sort of privilege to actually think about anyone who has, you know, less stature in life. That's hypocritical yeah. of them. <laughs> what about the cost of AOC's hair? Checkmate! <laughs> Checkmate, <Ooh>. the trove! <laughs> Suppose we woke up tomorrow morning and all contributions of thought, science, industry, and sheer physical labor of white males disappeared. What would be left? <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks about this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was gonna say earlier, it's such a tell. <laughs> like, he goes from, like, the feminine like i'm scared of women to like i'm scared of like you know other culture like is he going to talk about western civilization is he a classical liberal <laughs> uh we have just two paragraphs left so if you feel like he hasn't made a larger point yet uh he has limited time remaining to do so <laughs> the clock's ticking <laughs> <laughs> People of any gender, race, or cultural background can be turned into villains and can be used to explain the sometimes unfair veracities of life. Much like Nazi regime, there is always the temptation to blame someone, unlike ourselves, as the cause of our problems and to gain power and influence in the process. <laughs> Much like Bring Nazi regime. Yeah. Me Too is literally fucking na oh, national fucking <laughs> social. Like, it's fucking the Third Reich, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Me Too is Hitler. Pussy hats will reign for a thousand years. <laughs> but if we really believe benefits can be derived from diversity, why bother? Um... What? Why bother what? Why bother what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's that's where he leaves it. That's the end of the article. That's where right he there. leaves it. Uh, They're forcing diversity on me. Whiteness is such a default that diversity just means not white dudes. They're yep. still like you're still part of that. It's not like white dudes are the like default, you know. And so anything else is diversity. This is. Literally just proof that white men are the most sensitive people. What a fucking baby. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it literally is that. <laughs> like so sad. I've failed upwards so much in my life. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I don't even have, like, I mean, I'm lower middle class at best. So like, fuck. <laughs> like, you have nothing to complain about and you complain so hard <laughs> so such babies they're always complaining about how sensitive society is as if we didn't used to lynch black people for saying that white ladies were pretty like i think that we were much more sensitive in the past it's just always been <laughs> you being sensitive so it doesn't count right yeah he's a bad writer too yeah we're used to privilege basically any sniff of equality or like any sniff of someone getting on an even playing field with you feels like you're being oppressed yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, they have to, for once, you have to be aware of being white and male. Yeah. It's just like, these guys are just so threatened by anything that takes that away from them. Yeah. Or they feel that way. They forced race on America. They defined everything as black and white. And then they're complaining about how race is a big force in America. And it's like, you did this. You invented whiteness. This is your fault. Yeah. Well, I don't even see color, so... 
<laughs> Those people are the best. Society was built on my sensitivity, and anyone else's sensitivity is going to tear that all down. I wish the thing is, like, I find his his article just so incomprehensible that there's like no way to respond to it. It just leaves you with your mouth agape. <laughs> yeah, it's not even it's not even really coherent. It's just sort of a yeah, series of yeah. things <laughs> popping off in his brain. <laughs> just, a, just a tirade about every week Fever we do dream. this show and we read an article like this i'm reminded of, of like how i should have never given up on my dream of being a writer yeah. it's not hard it's like so it cannot easy. be hard if these people can get published yeah this is legitimately bad writing yeah this yeah. is pro- this probably is the worst written article we've had like there was a dobrian article we read that was pretty bad but this might be the worst one just in terms of like having no like structure to it it's just like a, a bag of jelly <laughs> It's just a list of grievances with the ladies in his office. (laughs) Here's why the dames aren't being fair to me. (laughs) We shouldn't have taught him how to read. (laughs) (laughs) This guy fits the uh, incel stereotype much more than than the Joker. He's like an old school incel. (laughs) Like the 1940s. Like a dapper incel. (laughs) With like high trousers and like suspenders. Like fedora. <laughs> no, dames just don't prefer men like me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I have the comments on the Courier's article pulled up for this, and this is the best way to sign off this article. <laughs> um, this was written by a commenter named Ross, and it looks like he has a picture of Morrissey as his profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so this guy, this guy loves women, too. <laughs> <laughs> And Ross comments here, Dennis, you write like Mad Dookie, my guy. Seconded. Oh my god, what a hero! Friend of the pod, Ross. Yeah. Pretty good own there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love him. That's all the content I have lined up for today. <laughs> How do we want to leave this thing? Uh, thank you guys for letting me be your first guest. It was really a pleasure. I listen every week, and um, I love your podcast. It's really funny and smart. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank yeah. you for thank coming you. on. That's very nice of you. I think you added a lot. Yeah, a great energy to our usual thing, <laughs> and uh, I hope we can. I hope we can have you back sometime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, be my uh, pleasure. I have, I have a very sort of positive thing to read for us to end on. If you all are are ready to go, yeah, sure. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we mentioned earlier that uh, Bernie racked up some endorsements this week, and he unveiled uh, kind of the biggest one at a rally in New York yesterday, where like twenty five thousand people showed up to see him. Yeah. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez officially endorsed him at this rally. And um, this is how Bernie ended his remarks for the day. And I think it's very uplifting and a good reminder of like why we care about this and why we're actually out there sort of trying to make a difference. All right, here's what he said. And I'm not going to do the Bernie voice, so maybe... <laughs> uh, we can have Chuck. We can have Chuck read this later and do like an official uh, <laughs> Bernie voice version of this. <laughs> I want you all to take a look around and find someone you don't know. 
Maybe somebody who doesn't look like you. Maybe somebody who might be from a different religion than you. Maybe they come from a different country. My question now to you is, are you willing to fight for that person who you don't even know as much as you're willing to fight for yourself? Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling economically in this country? Are you willing to fight for young people drowning in student debt even if you are not? Are you willing to fight to ensure that every American has health care as a human right even if you have good health care? Are you willing to fight for frightened immigrant neighbors even if you are native-born? Are you willing to fight for a future for generations of people who have not even been born but are entitled to live on a planet that is healthy and habitable? Because if you are willing to do that, if you're willing to love, if you're willing to fight for a government of compassion and justice and decency, if you're willing to stand up to Trump's desire to divide us up, if you're prepared to stand up to the greed and corruption of the corporate elite, if you and millions of others are prepared to do that, there's no doubt in my mind that not only will we win this election, but together we will transform this country. Thank you all very much. Uh, Hell yeah. All I got to say is preach, Bernie. No. Well, things are good. It was a good week. Honestly, that was <laughs> that was difficult to read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> things Ooh. might be okay. Yeah, we're going to do this shit. I hope so. Got to re-energize. All right, so get out there. Do what you can. Fight yeah. the power. Fuck Let's yeah. win. <laughs> Rage against the machine that doesn't doesn't work because of the women broke it. And, yeah, <laughs> won't fix now you're it. Speaking my language. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that part. But definitely rage against the corporate machine. Yeah, like Andre the Giant, pick up <laughs> our broken yeah. capitalist system and fling it around like a wet towel. all right rock hard cock is signing off thanks for listening see you next time bye take care bye